Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 71 of Ancient Ways from Modern Days. My name is Andrew Wynn, and joined with me today is Mr. Stephen Lucas. Where? He's, he's right there. What? what? Sitting oh. across the table from me, staring at me deeply in the eyes. Yes. <laughs> that is what is happening. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Stephen, how you doing, man? Man, it is a great day. I think I got a combined total of four hours of sleep last night, so I'm feeling good, man. Oh, me too. But I think your reason for getting minimal sleep is a lot more noble than my reason for only getting four hours of sleep. That... Yeah, we could probably speculate. Do you want to share first? Sure, I, I will. I um, This is the year that I have broken myself, so I have been uh, playing more video games. And I may, <laughs> I may have gotten back into playing Halo, which uh, yesterday was my day off. I definitely played a lot until my eyes started bleeding. Oh, buddy. So that's why I was up very late, and then I got up very early today. Yeah, no, my uh, my son is teething again, and that causes him to be extremely slobbery, and his nose is stuffy. So he had a cough well into the early hours of the morning, and it caused him to sleep in between coughing fits, which caused me and Jess to just lie awake wondering if he was all right. You you said he's teething again? Yeah, it's back molars now. Oh, in my brain, he had all his teeth by now, but I guess that's you not know, what's happening. That has been my brain like two or three times now, and then Jessica's like, oh yeah, he's teething again. I say, why? Jeez. <laughs> when will we be done with the teething? Man, I... He's growing up so fast. That's that's exciting. Yeah, that's man. super cool. So yeah, it was it was a long night, but as you say, it is a little bit more rewarding. I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm there for my wife. I'm there for my son, and I have a kink in my neck now because I was laying sideways. <laughs> but it's worth it. Well, that's cool, man. Well, you know what? It's it is rewarding. I'm 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 excited that that's what's happening in your in your life. Speaking of what's happening in your life, you know we like to start off with a little bit of ketchup. And since today it's just you and me, I was wondering, Stephen, how how are you doing? You know what's what's going on in your world since we've been uh, since we've had a chance to record, dude. Since our last recording, okay, so. I know that there have been a couple of things that have happened at the church, which I think that you were going to address, but in my own stuff, um, in school, I finally had my intro to ministry formation big event weekend. So it was like a Thursday night, all day Friday, Saturday morning, just class, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And in this class, what we are required slash encouraged to do, it's it's, it's more required than encouraged, uh, but you have to kind of take a, a hard look at your life and what God has been doing in each chapter of your life and okay. really be honest about like where the chapters are and what lessons you've been learning from God working in your life as, you know, up to this point, right? Yeah. And then you take the lessons you learned from that and then you also lay out what your greatest values are, like the things that you value most. So if somebody says, I value family, okay, well, define what that means. What do you mean when you say you value family? Now, take that value and apply it to what God has been doing in your life. Mm-hmm. Ooh, how have your values been like coming out as God has been working in you over the course of time, over the course of years, mm-hmm. right? And from there, you can start seeing, like, like take a very honest look. What's God 
doing in my life right now, and what is he calling me to do in ministry? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that you're doing that. I remember when I was going through Bible college, we had to go through a, a series of reflections like that, and most people don't really reflect. Right. There's a lot of people that probably just live their life and don't look back, but right now, I'm sure you're going through um, that, that exercise where you look back and some of your darkest of moments, you're starting to see God clearly in what he was doing in and through that. Is that something that's happening? That's absolutely certain. Um, really even more than that though, it's also saying what was I doing? Uh, in what ways was I disconnected? In what ways was, you know, my, my problems were my problems because I was the problem three quarters of the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, Uh, that's, to be honest, that's most of us. That's most of us. Right. And so I was able to just really take a look in in my past and say the times that I struggled the most, the times that I made the bad decisions that I still kick myself over, those were the times that I was unplugged from my Christian communities. Okay. Those were the times that I was out of fellowship or out of touch with my family or just doing my own thing, but I didn't have confidants and, and spiritual leaders to really invest in me. Like, sure, I was hanging out with my friends and we would tell each other everything, but I didn't have mentors at that time, right? So come to find out, I am called to small group leadership and building communities. Okay. And who'd have thunk that the guy who is currently working in youth ministries and worship ministries and small group ministries and what... I'm called to invest in other people's lives, Andrew. What? Oh, that's weird. What? Is that something that ministers are supposed to do? Right? <laughs> and so it wasn't like I had some big lightning bolt uh, epiphany, but it was very reassuring and affirming that God has been working through my life in good times and bad yeah. times to confirm the calling that I have right now. You know, I, I, th- I think that's an amazing exercise to be able to do, especially there are moments in our lives when, especially in our adult lives, our, our adult years, there there are times I'm like, what's next for me? What do I need to be doing right now? What is this next chapter of my life? And many times when I ask those questions, it's it's clearer for me when I take a time, take a moment to step back, look at what God has been doing, look at the things I've been learning, look at the things where I've, I've failed at, where I've been hurt through, or I've hurt others, and just seeing what God, that 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 silver lining, that redemptive hand moving all throughout it, and it makes clearer what my next step is because I'm trying to follow him and his step. It's right. it starts to culminate. I'm like, oh well, God has been pre- been preparing me for this season, right? And I think a lot of people. I don't. I don't know. That's common language for people outside of ministry. But when I was in in school, we used that word season a lot. Just just indicating that like it life is fluid. You may be in a job like you were at the TSA. Yeah, man. And in many ways, that was a season. Of your life. That actually is a full, like I I had to do a post-it note board with Mm -hmm. each of the chapters of my life. That was a chapter was just my work in TSA. Yeah. And I, and I, and even now you're starting a new season. Correct. Right. Even now, like there are different events for me, but I see seasons in my life too. And I, I guess I'm saying this. I come from a background, I think you're learning this right now too, that it's okay to see your life as a series of chapters, like an actual story. Absolutely. Right. So it's okay for a story to close. And then a story to start up. As a church, we're facing this right now. Absolutely. Lance was a great pastor when he was here. But now we have Mike. In many ways, that season has closed. And now a new season has opened. I would even argue that we've already gone through a season of that transition. And now we're in a season now of building building up. Exactly. Which was exciting. Dude, I, okay, this is completely off topic. Yeah, it's but, on topic. So 
Speaking of season, this last Wednesday, I, I won't say who, but I was so excited that there are members of our church who have been working really hard to uh, invest and invite people and come check out our services and things. And there was someone who reached out, said that they were bringing someone. Something, this is something they haven't done in the past, but they preempted us and we were on it as a team. We were ready to receive them and their family. And uh, after after the Wednesday services, I, I reached out to this person. I was like, hey, man, how'd it go for this person? How can we team up to continue to love this person and stuff? Um, to me, to me, because that's really, like, that was rare in, in, in the past. I'm excited because I really do think that we are in a building season for for our church. That's so right. that was completely off topic, but I uh, just wanted to share that. No, I think that that's actually going to tie into uh, the, our topic of the day as, yeah. as we eventually roll into that, but I'm not going to let you off the hook here. You're going to tell me how you're doing before we get sure, in Sure, sure. But no, I mean, talking about seasons in your lives and, and what forms you through those seasons is mm-hmm. exactly what we're going to talk about. So tell me about this last week and change in your life. How yeah. has that been? You know, actually, so to go on the topic of seasons, it's, it's interesting to me that you talk about um, taking some time to look back through your life and see what God was doing, what God has done, and then see where you possibly have made some mistakes or just things that have formed you and your opinions and things like that. That's more accurate. Yeah. So <clears throat> in my own life right now, I can see that there are seasons, even with me, my, my, my tenure, I guess, here at, at our church, that I'm at a place now where um, I'm trying to honor what God has done. Uh, when I turned 30, I... So I, this is, these are the seasons I see myself in. Uh, when I first showed up at Valley, I was very school-oriented. I had just finished Bible college. I was just like really focused on theology and preaching and teaching. I was really excited about that stuff, and I still am. I still am. But then when I turned 30, um, I started to get um, some back issues at the time, and that's when I fell into CrossFit, and I got became a CFL1 coach. I'm now working on my personal training certification, and I have that nutrition certification, and I've been trying to figure out, okay, God has already called me into ministry. How is this going to roll into ministry as well? And as I'm going down that road, um, just this year, uh, because of my, my, the breaking of myself, um, children, working in children's ministry, children have asked me to start that YouTube channel where I play like rated, not M, sorry, rated E games, not M. Yeah, no, that's, that's an important distinction. (laughs) You know, just trying to make safe content for children to watch on YouTube and stuff. That's all starting to swell together. And this week I I filmed a bunch of content for, for that channel, but I also got to meet with a couple of uh, people who want help in, um, just getting healthier, whether it be through movement or through nutrition and stuff. And I, um, man, I just feel this call, this, this, this stronger pull to keep digging into whatever this is. I don't know what this is going to turn into as, as time goes on. I want to keep providing, uh, in many ways, a service for children. But in many ways, I also want to work with their parents in many ways to make sure they're physically good stewards of the bodies that we we have been given. And I think that's that's a whole other conversation I would love to have someday about like I, I don't I think the term self care is overused a lot in our in our world, but stewardship right. is a very real thing that we are called to as Christians. And stewarding our not just our finances and time, but like our physical well being is very important too. Anyway, so you talk about uh, you asked me about change. And this week, uh, man, I, I have had great improvement uh, in, my, in my physical body. Last week, we had an amazing event. I was so excited. We did our trunk retreat. That's right. And I, actually, I was, 
I'm very fascinated to hear your perspective because you came as a uh, as someone who like I'm I was working the trunk or treat. I was but, a guest, but you were a guest in the trunk or treat because you you are the family man, and I'm just some single guy trying to make other people's fa- families happier, and I cry myself to sleep. I don't. I should try to take that out. I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> on that. Maybe I'll take that out. I don't know. That's funny. <laughs> anyway, so we had our trunk or treat, and I was just blown away. I love it. I love, love, love when I see our church come together. I love it when, you know, part of our church provides candy. Other members of our church come together and, you know, they, they're the silly ones, right? And so they put together the, the, the cars and the trunks and weird costumes. Um, we need to talk about that Moses at some point in time. That Moses. You know who you are. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was, I love that mask, but it is terrifying. Dude, I was yeah. saying, like, I remember watching old Goosebumps movies about haunted masks, and yeah. I'm pretty sure that came out of there. So for our, our listeners, we have a, a guest, or a, a member of our church that has a Moses costume, but the mask that he uses to be Moses is actually a winter wizard. Oh, that makes sense. Which explains why it's so creepy looking. Yeah, it explains the long nose. Yeah. Okay. So then, so when he's dressed as Moses, giving out the Ten Commandments, I kind of get it, but it's, it's, then he started chasing his, his niece and nephew around. Oh man, that was really weird. It it was creepy. I was laughing my head off just the whole time. It it was safe. Like it was like dark crystal level creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Dark crystal is a good example of what we're talking about. (laughs) Uh, but if he were to do it without the mask, I think it would have been brilliant. Yeah. So we did that event that, that really, um, wiped me out and I was down for the weekend after that, but I found uh, a traction strap, which decompresses and compresses my spine that I'm actually feeling so much better. I've been watching you walk around this office. I'm just blown away. dude. It's, it's amazing. I, um, for everyone who's listening right now, if you are curious, if you have herniated discs and you're, you're looking for something for looking for help, hit me up through the contact information because uh, I have spent too much money on things trying to he- get healed here. I actually, even today, after right before service, I've invited some people to come to the church early to try out some of these straps because I know we have people who have herniated discs in their back and their necks that it, it might help them. But anyway, that's been my week. Uh, recovering from that, seeing cool things happen as God is just trying to use every aspect of training I've had for his glory. It's been good, man. It's been cool. Excellent. So, I mean, we're 15 minutes into this and that's been a whole lot of just personal stuff. That's just us. Yeah. So Steven, um, we are recording this podcast and we are taking a break from our systematic theology and the topic I asked you to prepare for, for, for yourself. And I, I prepared as well is I asked you X-Men through the ages. I'm ready. That's right. We are continuing our conversation <laughs> on X-Men. False. No, we, we're not doing that. I wish we could. That's a different podcast though. Um, we are actually, I asked you to maybe prepare and think through what are the books that you have read that have helped you in your Christian walk? Uh, the word I used was formation, right? Right. It's, that's a big, uh, academic word, I guess, you know, like how, if you, if you think of like, we are the clay and the Lord is the potter, right? How are we literally being formed into the masterpiece that he is, has, is creating in us? Exactly. Yeah. And so I know for you and me, we're both readers. Um, I wasn't always a reader, but man, something came alive in me when I was in high school, when I came to know Jesus. Right. And I have read a lot of books that have challenged me, that have helped me form my Christian worldview, and I know you have too. Right. 
So I thought, hey, man, let's have a discussion on some of the books that we have read that I think may be beneficial to people who are looking to grow in their faith. Absolutely. Or even uh, just talking about how they've impacted us, because there are so many different ways that God uses literature or mm-hmm. teachings or even podcasts like yep. this one mm-hmm. in order to mold believers. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So before we begin, I know you and I said that we wanted to have a small um, caveat to to books. Right. Yeah. Um, because you and I, there are there are authors that we, you and I both enjoy, but what we have learned as as we have gotten older is um, don't drink the Kool Aid. Right is what I would That's say. Absolutely right. Yeah, and yeah. By you that, what we mean, yeah. Guys, yeah, what we mean is that there are gold nuggets to be found in you know almost every author's work or every, every good solid author's work. You can find some gold nuggets, but amongst gold nuggets, sometimes there is coal, and so you got to be careful and not just totally put yourself at the feet of this mysterious author that you found. For example, I have one that I'm going to talk about later on who is a pastor over in Idaho, and I think he's a great guy. He's a good theologian. There are a couple things, though, that as I've been growing in my own faith, I see I disagree with him about, and so I have a choice to make. Do I go and believe just whatever he says, or do I conform to the conviction I have that I've found in Scripture, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so it's it's a matter of making sure that you are not, as you said, just drinking the Kool-Aid, to use a uh, old expression, mm-hmm. but you are being very cognizant and aware that they are still fallible human beings. Oh, man, that rain sounds awesome. Wow. It it's is. raining really hard right now, guys. Pacific Northwest is going through like a storm this weekend? I don't know. It's That's crazy. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Anyway. But all that to say, um, don't go 100% just because you like them. But be aware, be responsible, you know? Yeah. So let me let me outline a scenario for people. Um, odds are if you are someone who is new, new to the faith, and you're hungry to learn to grow as a Christian, um, this is what I did. I In our city, we had a Christian bookstore, and I would just walk in there, and I was hungry and to learn. And there was a section that just said Christian living, which is a section that you could see at any Barnes & Noble. Right. And it's a huge section. And you just start to peruse through it, and you you pick up a book. You don't know what you're looking at. You just know that maybe you're struggling with biblical manhood, Boom. or or maybe you're looking at uh, financial things or wh- whatever. So you grab a book, and you think, "Oh man, this guy has really good ideas," or "This lady has really great things to say." Well, when you're younger in your faith, you think everything that they say is great. Well, here's the thing: eventually, eventually, you, you you'll probably run into something that you don't agree with. That's right. Yeah. Or you'll read something that's just flat out wrong. What I'm getting at is that scripture, what the Bible has to say, that supersedes any teaching that a person can say. And so what I mean by that is that um, as a preacher, I work really hard to work the text. I put it together, study it, and, and, and get things right and expound on it, explain things. But there are times, there are times I will say something that honestly I researched wrong and I got it wrong. As a matter of fact, uh, at, at the time of this recording, just three weeks ago, Mike, our, our pastor here, um, let me know that I actually got something wrong in one of my messages. It was cool because it was just in time I, I was able to fix it and, and, and make it, make it, make a change there. Was there a big theological difference? Not really, but we want to be accurate with right. that. And so there are times you're going to disagree with something. And if it's a theological difference, then you need to side with scripture. So if it's, you know, if, if the Bible teaches that we shouldn't steal, we shouldn't murder, but some guys like, you know what? Yeah. You know what? I've decided to, for your spiritual formation, you should steal and murder. That's a big, there's a big no, no, there's a big no, 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 no. But then there are 
philosophical differences. Right. And so there are things like, like we shared earlier before the show that um, I read that book, A Masculine Mandate. And theologically, it says that, you know, if I'm going to be a man, this is what the Bible says what a man is. Well, how am I going to do that? One of the things I'm struggling with is a time management. I read a book on productivity and, and just how to, so that was me trying to answer philosophically a theological mandate. Right. And I may disagree with how, you know, I should use an app or something like that. That's okay. We go back and forth. All, all that to say is sometimes there are authors who 80, 90% of the time have really good things to say and are right, but there's always a possibility they have something wrong and people should just be aware of that. I think, yeah, that's, that's, I think a better way of saying what I had intended there. Well, might we're be a good the same writer. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're on the same lines there. Yeah. I think, I think what we're saying is also with all that said is we might offer some of these books, but you have made you, who knows? You may hear something later about like one of these authors like, well, this person believes this and is all about this camp or whatever. Well, okay. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, you mentioned a book that you had read. I had actually, uh, a long time ago, read a book that was also about like, um, biblical masculinity. Mm -hmm. And it turned out later on that the guy, I don't know, he, he was a little bit off his rocker, but at the time I really, really enjoyed his book and I was all into it. And if I look back now, I'd say, no, you know what? There are better books to read. Don't read that book. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's how it goes. Yeah. So grow and just know that it's about seeking God, not justifying a lifestyle, but seek God. So yeah, let's just jump into this conversation. I know I, I have a couple books I wanted to share. I, I didn't want to go too in depth, but um, these are really good reads that I think that um, they have blessed me immensely. So, uh, Stephen, actually, do you want to share yours first, and then I'll, actually, I'll share my two? I, I was actually going more towards authors. Uh, okay. So, okay. I have two authors that I'd like to share, and then one book, okay. if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I was mentioning, uh, there's that pastor over in Idaho that uh, I think is. Pretty good. There are a couple ways that I disagree with him, but he's pretty good. And this is a guy named Douglas Wilson. Okay. Now, Doug Wilson, if you're in the know as to like uh, Reformed Baptist culture, Presbyterian culture, he's, he's a name that comes up pretty frequently. But uh, if you aren't in the know, you're just going to be like, all right, uh, Mr. Wilson, you know. Okay. But Doug Wilson is a pastor and he very, very strongly believes in submitting the entirety of your life unto God, right? So a couple of the books that I have read from him actually were books about writing or productivity or uh, there's one I have in front of me. It's called How to Exasperate Your Wife. Okay. Yeah. No, great book. Um, Ironically (laughs) titled because it is actually a book for men on um, how to how to basically be a Christian man within your marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the chapter that I read today was called the 10 commandments of marriage. And he said, no, 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 this isn't the 10 commandments of marriage. This is the 10 commandments in marriage. How do you submit yourself to God within the context of your relationship with your wife? Great stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so why do I bring him to the table right now? I bring him to the table because there are a few things that have stood out. I mean, there's the Ten Commandments part, but in that writing book, he had a quote. I forget who it was by, but it said, anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly. 
And so he's applying this concept to writing. So if you want to be a great writer, you have to first start as a kind of a crappy writer. Oh, right? I love that. Yeah. Okay, because in a, in a culture where everyone expects to be amazing off the get-go, mm-hmm. I, that's how I used to be. Like, if I'm not good at something, I don't want to do it. I didn't right. want to pay the stupid tax. You know, or Exactly. Like, I didn't want to be bad at it. Until I got good at it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so often we're just like, oh, I want to go do this thing. I want to learn the skill. I want to learn to cook. I want to learn Kung Fu. I, I want to do this cool thing and yeah. do it well. But then you do it twice and you're just like, oh, man, I'm never going to be any good at this. So you give up. Okay. And so he was very much opposed to that. He said anything doing worth doing well is worth doing poorly. Okay. okay. And so he's essentially saying buckle down, get to work and practice. Right. You're, you're not going to be great right off the bat. Do the work, do the time, right? And so this is diligence. This is stewardship. This is faithfulness, right? And he brings all of these spiritual things to bear in the practical form of writing. Okay. Right? All right. I like that. I yeah. like that a lot. And so that's that's really why I enjoy him. So I'm, I'm going to now pass the ball over to you. Your turn. Okay. So you, you kind of shared something that helped with your formation as just a, as a writer. I like that. And and your, your formation of just your really a lot of your own theological framework. It's it's about character. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So actually, I will. Um, I think starting off, I I have always enjoyed uh, deeper thinkers. I guess so. The first author that I would recommend, if we're going to go by author, actually would be C.S. Lewis. Oh boy, that is a classic in in Christian Christian circles, right? Most people know C.S. Lewis because he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. That's right. Um, but he actually wrote um, other books that you would find an, under like a Christian living. The Space Trilogy. Section. Yeah. Uh-huh. N- not really. No, but that's, that's also one of his fictions. Right. That's another fiction. But he wrote things like uh, Mere Christianity. He wrote the Screwtape Letters. And he also wrote The Abolition of Man. Uh, we'll touch on The Abolition of Man here in a second. But Mere Christianity is a... I, I, may, I may classify that as an apologetic. I, if you're... If you're not like familiar with the word apologetics, uh, it's basically a defense of the faith. If you wanted to use reason to try to understand, like, is there a God and how do we know there's a God and all that stuff, stuff like that, it's actually his thought process and how he came to the conclusion of like, there has to be a God and the Christian God is that God. And so it, it really walks through this step of like, for example, uh, the first one, the fact that we argue about morality is proof that there is a higher being. That's right. Not necessarily the Christian God, but that there is a God. So what he means by that, especially in our in our moral loose culture that we are at today, if you if you were to like the the example he uses is a uh, soccer. I think he calls it football because he's he's British. Yeah, he's British. Um is like if you were playing a game and then someone fouls another person and then you bring it to the ref to say, Hey, this person fouled, and the other person is like, Well, no, I didn't. Well, what you're both doing is you're acknowledging that there is a rule that exists. One person's acknowledge, acknowledging that they didn't break the rule, where the other person is saying that you did break the rule. Well, both of you are acknowledging that there's something governs both there, of you. There's a set of rules that yeah. you both use to govern conduct on the field and also appeal to in case conduct is right. violated. And what he says is if you are going to argue that someone else should know these rules. So like even today with, with a lot of... Uh, our, our cultural morality is in very different places, but the expectation is that people should already know these morals or at least should be held accountable to these morals. Well, that means is that these are self-evident at some capacity. You think that they are self-evident, which means also is that there is something higher that governs all of us. 
is what he would say. So that illustrates that there is something beyond humanity that, and so he, that's his first step. That's just his first chapter. Right. And then he goes on later on to like quiets Christ and everything else. But that mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis is a, I mean, that man's a thinker. And I loved reading his books. They they challenged me a lot as a kid because I didn't understand them. I would just read it and over and over again until I did. And once I did, like my faith came alive in many ways, and um, it just it just brought a lot of reassurance to me. I guess. In my, do you have much experience with with C.S. Lewis at all? So my experience with Lewis was predominantly in his fictions. Okay. Um, and even then, I didn't finish all of them. So, like, uh, I know uh, Mike is really big on the Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. and I think I've read like two, maybe three of the books. Okay. And he he just like reels when <laughs> he finds out we haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I have started a couple of Mr. Lewis's books, but I, I haven't been as diligent in finishing. Okay. If if people really wanted to get a handle on our modern culture and our, our relativistic approach to things. When I say our, I mean humanity, not Christians. Right. Yeah. Uh, the world that we're in. He, he wrote a book called The Abolition of Man, which was very predictive of the culture that we have now. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's a very short book, but it is a very thick book. I have tried to read it seven times, and I have barely understood what I have read. But what, what I will say is that in many ways, Lewis predicted that one day we would step into a culture ruled by our appetites and ruled by the idea that morality is relative and how to answer that. And it is fascinating to read that book and then to kind of like reflect on your own life as like, am I ruled by my own appetites or am I submitting to to the rule of God? Man, it, it's I, I would recommend it. I'm actually going to read it again pretty soon here. It's a like it's actually like the sh- the shortest of all his books, but it is the hardest really to uh, to grasp. So if if I was just you know going to pick something to start with and wasn't really ready for something that that's deep, what might you point me towards? I actually would I would start with mere Christianity. Out of that, there is a uh, I'm looking in my office right now because we're we're in my office. I have a collection. I have a one book that has like all of his his th- thoughts recorded. But one book is Mere Christianity. But another one too is uh, Miracles: The Evidence for Miracles and What They Look Like. The other one, a book is called The Problem with Pain. And he wrote. Oh, I have that one. You have that. I have that one. I haven't read it, but I have. Okay. It. The the historical context of that book is him writing about like, well, if God is so good, you know, why why are things terrible? And he he answers through like how horrible sin is and I need to read that actually but he that is the premise because he actually wrote that in response to his wife dying and he had to think through like this is a terrible thing that has happened how is God still good in this and it, it is there are some deep thoughts there and so I I'm not telling you to read that because I I've read it but I'm just saying like there are um I guess when I was much younger even now, when I struggled with a specific issue, I would always go and ask my pastor, but if he didn't have the answer, I would always go to a bookstore and look for topics on grief or whatever it is I was struggling with. Right. And those are the, I would find those books and I would read it and I would ask my pastor questions. And I guess that's what I'm sharing right now. It's like, if you want to know more about your own faith, mere Christianity is good. If you are curious about miracles, that book is good. If you're if you're struggling with grief and pain, I, that may be a really good read. So, 
Anyway, that's a lot on on, on C.S. Lewis. That's intense. Yeah. What What do you got? All right. So one thing that you mentioned, um, you were talking about kind of our relativistic society and just being driven by our appetites, right? Um, You were talking about that in the abolition of man there. Yeah. That actually leads well into the next book that I was going to bring up, or I should really say the next author. Uh, This is a guy named C.R. Wiley. You have mentioned him many times. Yes, I have. I I really like this guy. I mean, he's he's a solid guy, Um, but I I won't give you his biography. He, He does that himself. Um, but I listened to his podcast. I've read three of his four published books. Um, and out of those three, I enjoyed two of them. So, yeah. Um, but he's, he's got another one coming out that I got to get into. But really what I like about this guy, I discovered C.R. Wiley while I was listening to podcasts, um, just like uh, you mentioned, actually, searching for uh, godly masculinity. Okay. Uh, just biblical okay. masculinity. What does it look like? And I was listening to this podcast, and he was on as a guest speaker, and he just happened to mention his book, Man of the House. And it has to do uh, – the, the subtitle is How to Build a Shelter in a World that is Falling Apart. Okay. And so he like says that. very early in the book that, you know, there are all sorts of survival manuals that happen if uh, or that you use if you are going to try to go out and survive in the wilderness. Right. We, and some at some point you are going to wind up surviving in the wilderness and you need to know what the tools and skills are to survive in the wilderness. And he said, now there are two ways of surviving in the world or ending up in the wilderness. One, you go to the edge of civilization and keep going. And so you wind up in the wilderness. Okay. Or civilization ends. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. There we go. There you go. So he said, this book is for the latter outcome is so, so he he frames it in like a framework of society is crumbling and it's all going to come crashing down. How do you survive it? But what's amazing and what I thought was kind of ingenious is his argument, or I, I won't spoil the entire book for you, but his arguments are all surrounding piety, submitting your life to God, and building your relationships with your family and your church. Because he was saying the the things that are going to last – you know, over the course of years, over the course of decades, over the course of generations are those communities and, you know, God, you know, right? So yeah. God is eternal. God will continue to mold and guide his people until the end of days. So his his guide for building a shelter isn't like, oh, hey, get yourself a good, you know, sturdy axe and go learn how to chop down a tree. Mm-hmm. It's learn how to be a gospel believing man and lead your family well. Hmm. And so I really, really leaned hard into that book. Um, I'll have to check that out. You've mentioned that so many times. I think you even gave a copy of that to my brother. I did. You did? Okay. Yep. I might just grab that from him. I, um, I miss reading as much as I used to. I used to try to read a book every week. That is not feasible nowadays. No. But I do like the challenge, and when I when I read stuff like that, it, it helps me refocus on priorities. I'll, I'll be honest with you, just as confessing a possible sin, I guess right now, is that uh, I really got into Halo in the next the last few days. There, because I know me, yeah. Because I know me, there is a very real possibility that um, I will waste the next couple of weeks just playing all that kind of stuff. But when I read books like that, when I when I engage in the Word, when I engage in my community. When I go to church, I'm 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 reminded on like what what's really important, you know. Right. And so I, I I'm I'm fascinated by by because you you brought that up. I'm fascinated by that book. So yeah, I got to reread it just to make sure that I still find it to be a good quality book to be passing on. Because mm-hmm. like we were talking about, like 
there are seasons in your life and you grow and then you might look back and say, oh, maybe, maybe not. So mm-hmm. I got to reread it and just make sure that I'm still fully backing that book. But uh, at the time of this recording, man, do I love that work. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and then his other one is uh, called The Household and the War for the Cosmos. And it's essentially a shorter version of the same thing, but okay. written to all audiences, not just to guys. Okay. So, I mean, Man of the House can be read by anybody, but it's aimed towards men. Okay. Household and the War for the Cosmos is aimed towards everybody. Interesting. And now uh, his newest book is about to come out, I think, this month. It's called In the Household of Tom Bombadil. And so Tom Bombadil. That's right. Okay. And nice. so it is. That's that guy from Star Trek. Right? <laughs> ah, you I'm just funny. Okay. You funny. Uh, <laughs> that's Lord of the Rings. It's Lord of the Rings. For someone not knowing. Yeah. Okay. Not in the movies, just yeah. the books. Yeah. He actually disavows the movies like passionately. Because there's nothing about Tom Bombadil in the movies, right? Right. Yeah. Right. They, they completely wrote him out. They did. Yeah. They actually apparently changed a lot of the characters for the movie. And huh. so I'm just rereading um, The Fellowship of the Ring right now, just seeing how they did change key players and scenes to make it more palatable for a TV audience. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Anywho, so that is my second one. Back to you. So I I had a choice here because I know that we have a book that's shared and then I have, I thought about another author that in many ways is responsible for for who I am right now. Um, So I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll share that author and then we can maybe start talking about that book that we share. I have one more that I'd like to talk about as well, okay, because uh, it talks about my worship ministry. Okay, um, so I'll tell you what I'll, I'll jump into um, then the creme de la creme, and then I'll I'll, I'll pass it over to you because we're we're coming up on almost forty minutes. Oh here. man, we might have to do a part two. I know. Actually, we could talk about this stuff all day. We could. I, I love these books, and the truth is, like I, I think we're these books are deep. You know, I, we're we're giving you flybys. But um, I hope these are interesting for people. My last one's actually a simple read. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So the book that I wrote down that you happen to also write down is a book by uh, John Piper. It's called Desiring God. That's right. I have a lot to share as to why it's so important to me. Um, But I will say this. John Piper in many ways is like an author and pastor that I have looked up to since I was very young. Um, I think it was... I think it was in college when I discovered his writings and his teachings that really um, solidified my approach to a lot of things. But Desiring God, The Meditations of a Christian Hedonist is the, is the full title of that book. I will tell you this. The first time I read that book, it took me three months to get through the first chapter. It's a, it's a thick read. Like it is a heavy, heavy read. Yeah. But the reason why I love it is it taught me a couple things. Number one, it taught me to have a holistic faith. I don't know if anyone else can identify with this, but there was a part of a part of me in my life at one point in time where like what I did for the church, what I did for God is one thing. And then how I conducted my life throughout the week, though I still remained a Christian. So I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about that duality where you, you go to church on the weekends, but then you go party and, right. and do drugs or alcohol throughout the week. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is like, I have my Christian stuff that I do, that God is the forefront of everything I do. And the rest of my week is still God honoring as like, I'm trying really hard not to murder throughout the week <laughs> <laughs> and, and do whatever. But like God isn't the forefront of that. I just know there are rules I need to follow. Well, 
Or maybe it would be fair to say that these are creeds that your life has been built around. Yes. And so it's it's almost second nature. It was a it, it's a moral uh, it's a moral duty right. that I'm holding on to throughout the week. This taught me a holistic faith in the sense that man, I actually experience God and I walk with God in the like in even the most mundane. So when I go out for like walks, when I'm working out, I do that for the glory of God and 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 my own pleasure, like or for the pleasure of God and my own good. I think is the phrase, where I'm I know Him. He's evolved, I'm praying to Him. I'm thinking about Him as I'm doing. I'm celebrating how He has created the body. When I'm doing chores, when I'm washing my car, when I'm feeding, when I'm tasting food, it's a holistic experience where God is in the midst of all these things because He's created all this. That that opened the door for me because it used to be, you know, when you read your Bible, you're experiencing God. When you sing some songs, you're experiencing God. When you're praying, you're experiencing God. Not experiencing God when I'm holding a baby, experiencing God when I'm grocery shopping, things like that. That that really opened up the idea of holistic faith, which then lent itself to the idea of what to do with my emotions when it comes to my my faith. So this book taught me when I was when I was younger, it's very analytical and I poo-pooed like the idea of just emotions. I did a lot of what I did in my Christian lifestyle, I did out of um I wouldn't say obligation because I didn't feel obligated, but I did feel a sense of duty. Even now, I still ha- there are a lot of things you know, you, we we do this a lot. There are just things that we do because it's part of the the role and there's a sense of honor in it and it's a, it's the Christian duty right. to do it. This is how you walk. Right. Well, he would argue that there is actually joy to be had in these duties. And, it, and through that, you can experience God, that it's okay to do this to make you happy when it glorifies God. And I'm butchering. I would actually go pieces. so far as like uh, the argument is also partially that if you are doing this because and only because it is the duty, you are actually missing the point mm-hmm. of the action. hundred percent. And his, yeah, because his, his illustration is like, imagine you loved your spouse out of duty, not because you actually like loved her. Like that wasn't right. a part of the, 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 your thought process. There's a difference between washing the dishes because I love my wife and mm-hmm. washing the dishes because I'm supposed to love my Some wife. Some moral obligation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, man, that completely changed my, my outlook on just life in general. Again, opening the door to holistic faith. And, um, I, I don't know. I, if you have grown up and you, you, you've probably been a, a part of the church for a long time, if you can identify with this, but if you've grown up with a very legalistic approach to faith, this book challenged me and made things really organic for me in a way that like it, my, my, my spirit came alive once I realized that God loves me and I can, I can seek to be in that love at all times. So you, you were going to, you were going to recommend it as well. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on that book. Cause I didn't know you've read that. I think you actually just kind of summarized a lot of my thoughts. So oh, I'm not, I'm not okay. trying to cop out or anything, but no, it's uh, very much just that there is a way that you walk. And you you know me, I'm, I'm a very like black and white, hard lines kind of a guy. But it's interesting. You and I are actually, we share that a lot. I, yeah. I'm not like that as much. I think this book has changed me in that approach, I guess. But yeah, you and I are very black and white on many things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And in this, I think that, or in in Desiring God, I kind of came to, 
not not a full understanding or a comprehension, but just like this conviction that some of the things that I do, I do out of a sense of like honor or duty or necessity, but I miss the lessons that God is trying to teach me in them Mm -hmm. in about experiencing him. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you uh, go with the, um, what is it, the, the... Westminster Shorter Catechism, what is the chief end of man? Yeah, yep. Yeah, to the glorify God and enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. I got the first half of that. I would do all things to glorify God, but how was I understanding him better? How was I enjoying God in the ways that I worship, in the ways that I lead, in the ways that I teach? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it opens your eyes to that second half. It, it does. That's, you're right, because like, so the Westminster Catechism, right, the, uh, the summary of what Westminster, the, that abbey, yeah. um, they, they basically say, what is the chief end of it? What is the point of your life? They argued your life is, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Right. Well, John Piper changed that by saying it is to glorify God by enjoying him forever, which lends itself to his, his overall thesis. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. Right. And, and it's uh, from that, that all of these other things flow. Right. So the, the rest of that book, so that book is actually like a, a, it is an entire philosophy on how he lives his life in the light of scripture. Right. And so he goes through a theology of finances, marriage, all sorts of other things. And then, yeah, 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 go ahead. No, no, no. here it is. I, I think I figured it out, is that I used to live, glorify, uh, chief end of man is to glorify God to enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. And so then after reading that, it's glorify God by enjoying him forever. And it's, the, the direction has changed. Mm-hmm. This is no longer me trying to do and therefore glorify God. It is God being glorified, me recognizing that. And because of that, everything else becomes an act of worship. Yeah. Yeah, what, that's it right there. It's that act of worship that everything becomes experiencing him and knowing him and enjoying him. When I pay my bills and do other things, God is glorified in that. Exactly. And seeking to be satisfied in his presence has completely changed how I approach faith. I honestly, I, I, Stephen, you work with Gen Z kids and I, I do too. I've been reading these books on, um, on what we know so far, these sociology books of what we know so far on Generation Z. And what drives them, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Millennials were, 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 were um, our motivation is purpose. We want our lives to mean something, to do something. Gen Z wants happiness. They want to do whatever it takes to be happy, which is ironic because if you read like that, the pursuit of happiness or the happiness in pursuit, I can't remember that book. Um, happiness is fleeting. Yeah, it is. And one of the reasons why my theory is one of the reasons why we see so much anxiety and depression in Gen Z kids is that what they are chasing is so fleeting, it's defeating. And so in many ways, they need Christ. That's right. And they need Christ in through the lens of knowing him and being satisfied in him so that he is most glorified. And these are just thoughts I've been having. Yeah, man. And, uh. Yeah. All that to say, like everybody listening, you guys can kind of tell how these things have shaped our thoughts oh, and, and just shaped our outlook. Yeah. And so like, there are some things that I disagree with Mr. Piper on, mm-hmm. but go read that book, right? It's good stuff. Changes your outlook. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we, man, we're getting deep into this. What? Well, let's, let's go over one more are, book. Are you sure? I mean, I know our time is oh, pretty close. it's fine, man. I, okay. I'm, I'm sure if they've listened this far, they can hang on for another 10 minutes. Oh, man. Okay. You got to hold it. All right. So my last one is very simply, the title is Sing with an exclamation point. This okay. is by Keith and Kristen Getty. And um, 
the purpose of this, actually the subtitle of the book is How Worship Transforms Your Life, Family, and Church. Now, I'm not going to get super into this. It's actually a very simple read, or at least I found it to be a simple read, but I also have the audiobook, which was narrated by Kristen Getty, which is kind of huh. cool. Okay. Um, but I'm just going to read out the chapter headings so you can kind of get an idea of what they're trying to convey. Um, so chapter one is Created to Sing. Chapter two, commanded to sing. Chapter three, compelled to sing. Then we have sing with your heart and mind, sing with your family, sing with the local church. And then what I love is chapter seven, the radical witness when congregations sing. And this all has to do with congregational worship. It's about being intentional. Not only like we're created for worship, but God also commands us to worship. When we see the glory of God, we are inspired or compelled to worship, to sing, you know, right? Mm -hmm. And then sing with all your heart and mind. And then it's not just about you bring your family into this. And it's not just about your family. Sing with the local church because these are all ways that we connect to God and to each other in the vehicle of singing in Hmm. worship. And uh, it's actually a very simple, very encouraging, but very worthwhile book. Okay. Uh, This is actually where I got one of my big convictions about song selection in worship leading. Okay. Is that uh, I only have a limited number of songs each week to bring before the congregation. And this is the time that the congregation is going before God, you know, the, the eternal creator of all things. This is the congregation of God's people coming together to sing to God. And I have the privilege the joy of choosing those songs it's it's a deep honor it really is and so i just got that conviction that you don't just choose the songs you like you choose the songs that are going to glorify him Mm -hmm. and not yourself right so i would throw this book at anybody who wants to know a little bit more about my heart regarding worship and instrumentation and singing such a worthwhile time. That's cool. I, I'll have to check that out, man. That's that's inspiring. And then the uh, authors, Keith and Kristen Getty, if you don't recognize their names, they actually have written a number of the songs that we play at Valley. Okay. That's cool, man. That's super cool. Well, everyone, uh, we are really coming to the end of this episode. I, I hope and I pray that this is edifying for you. Um, I, I am, I'm a big proponent of reading. And it and nowadays, even if you don't like reading, um, you can redeem your car time with audible.com. Honestly, like there's a lot of these books that you can have someone read it to you. The, the important thing here, in my opinion, is that being engaged by ideas and wrestling with them is really good. It, could, it causes you to reflect. It causes a lot of growth. And um, like I said, I, I asked you, Stephen, to share some books that have helped form your thoughts and your opinions because um, these are these are authors who are trying to live out the word of God. That's right. Right. And, um, and that's what I brought to the, ta- the table as well. And so I, I really hope that if you're listening to this, that you'll give some of these books a try. So Stephen, will you, will you pray for our, our listeners? I would love to. Yeah. Let's pray everybody. Lord God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again for giving us this time for the, me and Andrew here in the studio to, to record and everybody listening to, to join with us and hear what you have laid on our hearts. God, I pray first and foremost that you would be glorified just in all of this content, any books, any, any content that the listeners are inspired to go and check out, God. And Lord, open our hearts to receive more of who you are and inspire us to live every day more and more in alignment with your will for us, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You've been listening to Ancient Ways for Modern Days, a ministry of Valley Christian Fellowship. If you'd like to check out more resources or even connect with us, go to vcflongview.org.